0: This is the Beyond the Story podcast, a show that goes way beyond the story. And now, Sebastian Frost! Roxette, welcome to the show. Hi. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. How about you?
0: Good. I feel like it's way overdue for us to, to officially meet. We met in passing. At Miami NFT Week, I think it was this year. It was was year. it? Maybe last year.
1: Maybe it was last year.
0: I think it was last year.
1: Maybe. I and don't. I, I don't know what year it is. It's always been a blur since
0: 2020. Well, the <laughs> it is, what day is it again? So, um, we first connected because you were over at the lab, mm-hmm. and I swear I connected with every single like community director at the lab since I was there. I think I left and came back one time, but I always stayed in touch. Oh, that was why, because Pam Granoff was, was uh, in before you. And I used to help out with a bunch of events there. Cause I was like, why was I still, that was why. <laughs> Cause I was like, I'll MC your events if you want me to. So we did a, a, a couple different things over there at the, uh, at the lab Miami. So you had a pretty good run over there, huh?
1: Yeah. That was like two years, two and a half years and then sold it. So new, new ownership is at the lab. Oh really? It's fun. Wow. Yeah. yeah we haven't fully announced it yet, but yeah.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So, um, so were you, are, were you part of that whole, like, like how long have you been associated with that whole community?
1: So I started, like, truly being in Miami Tech, like, five years ago. Started running an accelerator. So I would do events, like, everywhere. Um, I would do it in my, like, Venture City, Venture Cafe, The Lab. I mean, just every co-working space, anything that had to do tech. I was yeah. just throwing events. Um, and then took the role as a managing director at The Lab. For the last two years and a half. And then, yeah, kind of did that kind of crossover new ownership. And then now I'm doing AI at the hub logic, which I think would probably be maybe the next lab. We'll, we'll see what happens.
0: There. So what's, what's the hub logic?
1: So it's a, it's a co-working space down in downtown Miami. So we have an office there. We took an entire floor there, um, for the AI forge that I run now.
0: I love that. All right. So let's back up. So just for some context, just to help our listeners better understand, um, we like to tell people stories on this show. So when people ask you kind of what's your story or, you know, based on, you know, career wise, life wise, um, where, where did it all really start to really bring you to present day?
1: Oh my God. If we start like, so we're doing Miami. reader's
0: digest 30,000 foot perspective here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, so, I mean,
1: we start with like my parents like immigrated from Nicaragua to, to Miami. So I was born and raised in South beach when it used to be like rocking chairs and old people. So I've seen the change of okay, like so you're Miami. A Miami girl. So I'm a Miami girl. Love it. Me I know. Too. I'm like I'm straight out
0: of Kendall though. You grew up. You had a little bit nicer. On the <laughs> I'm, beach, so. I'm
1: yeah. South beach. Yeah. So, so Kendall South beach. Those are
0: the streets of my youth though. My Washington <laughs> Avenue. i spent a lot of time on
1: eighth and Euclid. Yeah. That's like, so I went to Feinberg. I did the Nautilus thing, went okay. to Miami senior high. So the whole shabam. Yeah. Um, I actually started in hospitality and nightlife. Um, I used to be a promoter at like nightclubs. I used to work at Hooters in Bayside. So that was really, the best one.
0: I'm so upset that that's Hooters. As well. I know, me too. That we was were, the best Hooters because you can were, go before heat games. Yep. Uh, or I used to go when I first moved back. I would go for watch Dolphins games on a beautiful Sunday Hell afternoon. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yep. We would get like all the heat players, all the dolphin players. We even had like, you know, the Madrid players one time. So that was, we had PK like at our table. That was really fun. Very so cool. we would get like a lot of t- celebrities, um, number one grossing Hooters in the world. So that was really fun.
0: Wow. I yeah. didn't know that.
1: Then I went to the Clevelander, which was that, that was fun as well. So like really true OG hospitality, Yeah. nocturnal nightclub, DJ there one time. That was fun. <laughs> so so true, true, Miami girl. Um, and obviously, you know, my parents—they're like, we immigrated to give you a better life, not so you can be a bartender or like a promoter. Yeah. So they're First like, never understood
0: the whole entertainment life when we were younger. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I mean, there's a lot of be like a lot of money to be made in that industry, yeah. right? So uh, they're like, you got to do something serious, and I was like, okay, let me
0: define serious. Define serious. <laughs> I, I
1: got into a medical device company um, right off of college. Um, so I worked for a startup. That was like my first startup experience. Uh, we were working with a doctor who was a neurosurgeon who was creating a new implant that was going to redefine like minimally invasive surgery. So we worked with like a Korean manufacturer and some other company out of Philly to create it. And we would just kind of run this. And then, um, eventually the company got bought out by like our manufacturer, um, I left and went to another company, which was a tech company, and that's where I really started work, like learning about co-working. I was like, yeah. "What? What is co-working?" Yeah. So I'm selling this like software that manages co-working spaces. Started meeting tons of people all around the world who manage co-working spaces, and really fell in love with this whole like startup industry. And I was like, "That is so cool that people can just you know create jobs and create businesses out of the air, and it doesn't have to be." brick and motor businesses or like my dad owns an AC company. Um, it could be something cool, you know, like something techie. So that really got me interested and went into this long journey of like, how do I help these people? Um, and that's where I like ended up being like, okay, let's start an accelerator, um, and got into the whole, let's help tech startups. Um,
0: and that's what the lab's original they, game is that they still do that.
1: They still but, do. I yeah. mean, so JP, you know, Kapala, who's like the original, you know, like investor and the really true guy, the visionary behind it after like Daniel Weefy, he really, you know, kind of helped them turn it into what it is. That was like their whole vision was like, we're going to take an area, which was Wynwood before it was Winwood and incubate spaces and create this vibe around the tech community. Cause it didn't exist. So, you know, out of that came Endeavor, and out of that came all the people that followed. Right?
0: Waffle so, Wednesday.
1: Waffle Wednesdays. I, I, t- I just told one.
0: Will a couple of weeks ago he needs to bring that back.
1: We started doing it again. Yeah, it was uh it was fun. You know. Yeah. The little pancakes. That's
0: how I met him. I walked in one day to uh Live Ninja and was like, "What's going on here?" Like waffles. Just want to introduce myself, and we became friends, and the rest is history. That was like. 10 years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah I love well, man. He's like a true Miami guy too. Love it. <laughs> he
0: really is. He really, that's why he's like, my wife really loves North Carolina, but I told her I can't give up my Miami roots, so we're going to do both, you know? Yeah. They're up to some cool shit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: on chains, doing the damn thing here with that Disney deal. That really, uh, I got to, you know, you and I were talking a little bit about the world of Web3 before the interview and, uh, you know, seeing projects like that really restore some hope in my soul for the future of web three, you know,
1: there's still going to be a future. It's there's always ups and downs, right? Of course. We, we've been in blockchain space since 2012. Nothing's yeah. changing. So, yeah.
0: Um, and everything's moving to the blockchain. If you didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and I can't wait for it. I mean, I'm totally here for it. Um, so, uh, Miami nightlife tech space, uh, startup world. And then, uh, Did I see New York too, somewhere on the...
1: Yeah, so I've always been between New York and Miami. Um, It just kind of naturally happened that way. People just thought I was like Jewish and a New Yorker and I just kind (laughs) of ran with it. I was like, sure, I'm you know, Shabbat Shalom. But um, (laughs) in reality, I think it had to do with like my upbringing here in South Beach, right? Being around like a lot of my Hasidic Jew friends. So, but I would travel a lot to New York because of... I was in, in this coworking software like job for a while. So, um, most of my clientele just naturally gravitated to really high end big developers in New York. So I just kind of focused on that area, got a three, four, seven number. Cause when they would see 305 number, which I regret giving up, they'd be like, you're from Miami and yeah, they would kind of yeah. freak out a little bit like, Oh, it's not, you know, it's not something serious down there. So once I had that three, four, seven number and just would be like, yeah, I'm, I'm in Manhattan. Yeah. All the business came in after that. So I would go travel between New York and Miami a lot for our clients. And especially in Toronto, you know, it's so close. I also had tons of clients in in Toronto. So I would just be up there constantly. New
0: York's great. I love that place. Mm-hmm. I thrive really well when I'm there.
1: I love so it. It's there. my element. I would some people hate it.
0: I have a pending. I'm trying to go spend a couple of weeks there and just show up and just see what happens. Um, and just find, who do I know? Who can I meet for coffee? Who wants to start a podcast? Coworking really affords a lot for that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those, those day passes can, uh, you can parlays into some great relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Write that on my list. I'm like,
1: that's right, check out co-working. the farm. Soho. It's like this guy, Lucas owns it. Okay. It has the same vibes as the lab. Really cool space. I love in. it in New York.
0: All right. I'm trying to get there before winter. That's the goal. So, uh, present day, uh, you're, you're working on the investor side, you said, and, uh, so break that down. What's that look like?
1: So originally my goal was to help entrepreneurs go from zero to 100. So they would have an idea, we would get them to an MVP, and then we would start preparing them for fundraising. So over the years, naturally it went focus from the zero to 100 to more. Let's focus on your pitch deck. Let's focus on your terms. Let's focus on what investors want. And then it just gravitated towards like, okay, let me make my first investment into a company. Um, let's do venture partnerships with different angel investors and, you know, kind of continue that route. And then it just naturally fell into that direction where I was dealing more on the investor side than the founder side of helping them grow, but now working more with investors to help them find better deals. Opportunities. Got it. Yeah. So it just naturally happened that way. So, you know, I joined AI forge, um, and it just has been a really, really fun ride so far. So.
0: Is that exactly what they do? So they've, it's kind of like a matchmaker for investors to find opportunities.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, AI Forge is more, think of it, it's an accelerator, but I would like to call it a venture studio because it's truly a studio. We incubate these 11 founders in downtown. Most of them have come from all over the US. One of them actually came from Italy. We give them space to work out of there for 12 weeks, we invest in them and we give them resources. So we're really incubating them here in Miami. So it. it's more of a studio rather than the accelerator, but yeah. we'll call what, it an accelerator.
0: What do you, so what do you, what do what do they do after you guys?
1: Well, we still hold their hand, you know? So, I mean, we, we still have to like help them, you know, go on and raise, you know, their, their first round. So they're becoming founders. So a lot of them have founder experience. A lot of them are in different stages. So yeah. some of them already have product, you know, they're, they're just here in Miami building their business here and then connecting with the ecosystem here. So previously as at the lab, you know, I was very much involved in like ecosystem community building.
0: Yeah. So
1: it's just a natural fit, just kind of plugging them in, you know, where they need to be.
0: So it sounds like you found your groove again. Yeah, I'm not going to
1: lie. Like it's, it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I'm happy to be back, but, um, I'm also kind of like, Oh God, I'm back. You know, I was enjoying this Pilates venture that I was doing and I still do. And I, I kind of was like, man, I really want to focus on that 100%, but that's kind of hard to do.
0: I just found out there's hot Pilates. I'm like, I'm bad at cold Pilates. Yeah. But yeah. hot Pilates. Wow. That's a commitment. Yeah. 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 So, um, Web3, we, we were talking about this before the interview too, and we talked a little bit about it um, a few minutes ago. So a lot of people started to hear the words Web3, NFTs, uh, digital land, and um, I think it was, as with anything, you know, 50% were like, it's all bullshit. The other 50% were like, I'm going to check this out. This is the future. So it's been about two years now since everything kind of went, put and started to reorganize itself, if you will. Uh, where are we headed now with, with web three in, in your opinion, like what, what, what's, what's next and realistic for the world and society to start to embrace?
1: So I think it's, it's more of like a mistake of emerging technologies and how they market themselves. Right. Yeah. So, you know, Blockchain has always existed. That technology has always existed um, since 2012. Really, you know, the the guys that were mining Bitcoin, you know, were educating people about the space, telling people like this is going to be the future. It started getting a mass adoption around 2015, 2017, right, with all the techies trying to figure out like how can they make this a little bit more mainstream. And then what you saw, you know, tw- in in pretty much the last two years was you have bad actors that kind of ruin the tech for us. Right. So um, with anything that people don't understand, they're going to fear it. Right. Yeah. Cause they don't understand it. Um, which is just a bad PR like campaign on, on web three. But in reality, the people who are building the tech are still going to continue to build. They're just not going to be out there, you know, kind of associating with the mainstream kind of PR that's going on with web three. So I'm kind of seeing a lot of, the people who were focused in blockchain moving into AI. Um, And my biggest fear now with the AI stuff, because AI is also not a new technology. It's been around for 20 years. Um, You know, a lot of industries have incorporated for the last 20 years. So you just haven't been vocal about it. And then now that we have all this massive PR campaign about the fears of AI, the same thing's going to happen, right? You're going to have these people who are going to be bad actors and we have to kind of learn from that mistake, right? Um, and it's a very easy transition too from blockchain to AI, right? It's all data. So you have like data centers that have to manage all this, right? So now if you're managing a Bitcoin mining center or a mining center, you're going to have to manage you know, an AI center because it's eating up a lot of data. So I was talking to the CEO of like Hummingbird AI and he mentioned something yesterday on our call. He was like, you know, one chat GPT prompt is equal to like a quarter of a water bottle, right. In terms of energy use. So think about that, right. There's going to be all this stuff that's happening that is very similar. And so now I'm just saying like, Oh crap, there's going to be a war on AI. There's going to be a war on technology period, no matter what. Yeah. Um, but we as a society have to figure out how do we do a good PR marketing campaign so that we can avoid the bad actors and not fall in this trap that we constantly do where it's like, we don't make it accessible for everyone. Right. Web three terms aren't accessible.
0: I mean, well, also in a a phenomenal way to, to, to combat that is obviously just the way it's always been, which is disruption, Mm -hmm. constant disruption. So I was watching a video, um, actually Gary V of all people posted them and I've known Gary forever. And, uh, um, so I've listened to everything he has to say because he's dead on. He very rarely wrong. And he said, you know, over the next 10 years, we're going to experience a tremendous amount of deep fake videos. And for those mm-hmm. who don't understand what a deep fake video is, it's a video of you saying something, but it's not really you, but it looks like you and sounds like you, which is fucking terrifying. But um, so I started to think about that, but I, I I didn't go into fear mode of like, oh, my gosh, here we go. It was more of. Until the person creates the solution that picks up on deep fake videos or disrupts the the opportunity to actually create one or when it, once it gets posted or whatever it may be, there's always that next evolution, that mm-hmm. problem, solution, problem, solution, the way that the world has continued to evolve. So um, completely agree with you on the part where, yeah, there will be a huge war on things. Winners are not been, um, but it's the people that are able to, to really Figure out and navigate through that. I think that's what that's what makes it exciting. Listen, this Web three is going to make life easier and more convenient, as technology has always done. So that's that's the good news.
1: Yeah, and, and <laughs> blockchain. You know, AI and blockchain go hand in hand. Like we're going to need to. There's a company that actually is working on out of our cohort that's working on auditing um, AI. So if you're taking a data set and you're changing it, or that data set is biased, you're going to need a blockchain ledger to, you know, keep records of that data. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, going to go hand in hand it's just
0: security gonna- has to you know there's going to be there's a huge gap with security mm-hmm. and like i'm a total rookie too like i just got my speaking of my v friends too mm-hmm. jacked on tuesday for clicking on a spoof fucking email what, only me um but it looked just like <laughs> it was just like came from v friends i was like i'll take some trading cards no. didn't check the url didn't check the email. And then checked V Friends Discord and wow, wow, wow. it's okay. It was a V Friends too, and it was like two hundred bucks. We're okay. We still we got the physical. We have the physical V Friends up in the up in the up in the building here. <laughs> but to that point, as I would consider myself somewhat seasoned in the world of Web three, having bought eight hundred NFTs and all of them were worth about sixty two cents. Um, and then I hosted a a Web three show for about a year and a half too. So I had the opportunity by default to learn about what was going on and still clicked on a spoof email, connected <laughs> my wallet and got my V friends to jacked. So um, my point was sharing that is to throw myself under the bus on, I need to, sharpen up on my security skills but that's me like could you imagine the average person like my mother trying to buy bitcoin and buying an nft i mean she called me in fact i wrote a whole bit about this so my mom's like i don't understand what's up with the mfts and i'm like she's like but what are they and i don't under what do you mean by token and i thought wow and I, again if it's my mom that's got to be a majority of people that really don't understand what the you know where this is all at um but security like what what how are we going to resolve someone not stealing your wallet and one because that was the thing. OpenSea's like, hey, we're gonna try and not sell it or like people can't buy or sell it. Like that was the only thing. Like we're not gonna get it back because it's gone. It was on the blockchain and that's peer-to-peer. So the million dollar question is how do you enforce some sort of security measures on a peer-to-peer platform to prevent stuff like this from happening?
1: I mean, it's trust, right? You have to have that trust, but it's also like you don't trust anything. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't keep anything, you know, I, I keep everything in, in a separate USB. Like I don't keep cold anything. Wallet. Yeah. In a cold wallet. So, I mean, it's hope it never gets lost, but like, that's just the way it is. Right. Like,
0: <laughs> Some people would put those in like in a, in a bank safe deposit box.
1: Yeah. And they then it's, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things too, where it's like, you don't, you should have multiple types of like wallet addresses. Like I have a public one and then I have private ones that you, probably could if you took the time to trace them back to me, but I have like multiple wallets and I just kind of spread everything everywhere as well. Like oh, okay. just cause I don't want everything in one thing. Like I just oh. spread it everywhere
0: set up multiple wallets <laughs> them private okay cool
1: yeah awesome. no i mean it's it's just like um you know banks you should you know you have like your personal banking account yeah, diversify and, you know, yeah you diversify everything so you have something in one place something in another place just in case
0: <laughs> yeah of course that's that's fantastic and thanks for that that's a that's a good tidbit i'm gonna go take and run with <laughs> so um here we are on ob- i ended almost end of september 2023 which is oh, wild God. to even say um what are you excited about for the rest of the year based on what you got going on and what's on your plate.
1: So I'm um celebrating my 1 year anniversary of elopement with a wedding in Tulum.
0: Let's go. <laughs> Congrats yeah. on that. So
1: I'm like really stressed about that cuz it falls right before our demo day. So I have to do a lot of planning personally and then a lot of planning for our cohort. So you're
0: a el- oh, oh, so you're this is just an anniversary trip. So you've already been you already eloped?
1: Yeah, we loved, but we're doing our wedding um, for our friends and family, and I'm like, oh God, I, I never thought destination wedding. You know, I thought it'd oh, be easy. There, there are a couple logistics. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of logistics, and then on top of that, doing demo day that same month. It's like that's a lot of planning. So the next two months, I'm just going to be head down planning all these events for personal and work. um So
0: oh, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Well, congrats on crushing life. Congrats on the on the one year anniversary, um, and uh, it's great to finally meet you and have a conversation. Thanks for coming down to the studio. I appreciate oh, thank your thank you for
1: inviting me. Your this time,
0: is- and uh, it's just funny. I mean, uh, this is this conversation is a ripple effect of the lab Miami. When I told you that Wifi and Danny were sitting at the door with the desk and like brochures about what it was all about, like way back when. I don't even know when that was. Had that not, I wouldn't have known, and you know, continue to stay in touch. And then, of course, the tech community, another center to, to, to Miami's tech community um, that is uh, pretty strong, in my opinion. And we'll continue to evolve. So um, great to have you down. Thanks again for being on the show. And I'll uh, I'll see you at a comedy mic soon, right? Oh, my
1: God, yes. We have to give a shout out to the Miami Comedians. Yeah, let's go, Miami
0: Comedy. (laughs) Manny? Manny. I heard you've been trying to get this one to do some comedy. (laughs) Got to, like, team up teamwork here. Got to get
1: a few drinks in me, and then I'll... (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's what everyone says. A
1: couple drinks, I'm down to
0: it. Like, let me tell you something about alcohol and comedy. Like, they are a terrible comedy. But maybe one or two to, like, loosen it up a little bit. But let me tell you, just a quick hack. In all seriousness, it fuels the anxiety. I mean, like, <clears throat> flamethrower. People are like, I'm going to have a shot of tequila, and I'll ease out a little bit. It's crazy. I've tried that strategy before, too, when there's a lot of big crowd.
1: Well, if you're introverted like me, you need the alcohol so you could be like, yes.
0: <laughs> it is liquid courage. Yes, it is. It is. Yes. Thanks again, Roxanne. Thank you. Absolutely. Until next time, friends. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Beyond the Story podcast. Be sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review. We sure to appreciate it. Signing off from the podcast, LaunchLab.com Studios. We'll talk to you next time.